Greetings, adventurers, and welcome to a very special episode of the Adventure Incorporated podcast. I am your dungeon master, Anthony Reed. In this recap episode, we will be covering the second full year of our ever-expanding adventure. If you are brand new to the podcast, we have a recap of the first year of episodes on our website, adventureinc.podbean.com. You can also find a link in the show notes. This episode will cover the broad, important strokes of episodes 53 through 104. Of course, we won't hit every moment from those episodes, but it should give you a good foundation to jump into at year three. Let's get started. The Many Pennies return to Mughamara with Viltroth. He shares with them what he knows about the Shia Tome. It is a book in ancient Sylvan and taught him a way to coalesce pure magic. They could use the spell if they found a way into the planes of magic to bring back a piece that could fuel spells and empower them even if the ley line was closed. Asher spoke with a traveling druid named Donal. Donal read the page of the Shia tome Jibeto had stolen. It was a page that allowed them to create an anchor in Adventure Incorporated. Asher could use that anchor to return the many pennies to the tower if they were trapped on another plane. This gave the Many Pennies all the tools they needed to travel to a realm of magic, find a pure piece of the magic type, close the ley line, and return home. Now it was time to decide where to go. The Many Pennies set off for Perineth, the cold, rocky land to the north. They made for the ley line of Abjuration, which they had been to before only to find the small village known as Hearthholm had been completely destroyed by an army of gnolls and lizard folk. In its place, they had erected a fortress made from the scraps of the village. The many pennies evaded the army and ran into Slask, who had been scouting the army. He told them a direct assault would be silly, but he thought he might know another way. He took them to a small cave that was populated by an organization calling themselves the Forbidden Dawn. The Forbidden Dawn was a group that was searching for a mythical creature known as the Kawadal. It was said to be a giant serpent with wings and the key to bringing about the return of the Fae. The organization was run by Price and Meredith Harper, Clyde's parents, and Gibetto's parents, William and Everly, were members too. They prepared a ritual to initiate the Many Pennies into the organization. Once the Many Pennies were members, they were given a vision of a beautiful golden man, one of the Fae Lords, creating the Coatl. He told the creature of his purpose to return the Fae to the land, but that he was too good and too pure so he would be hunted. The Coatl would have to hide to protect itself. While with the Forbidden Dawn, Gibetto learned that the group was using members of the town of Sale as prisoners, siphoning their energy. This disgusted Gibetto, and he confronted the leaders about it. They said they didn't have a choice and that they needed the power. If they could use a different power source, they would, but finding the Coatl was too important. Gibetto told them they were wrong, and he would return to the conversation. For now, the many pennies moved on through secret tunnels toward the ley line of abjuration beyond. The Many Pennies and Slask fought off the remainder of the army that stood between the tunnels and the ley line. During the fight, Slask was killed by an errant attack from, uh, from Keth. They finished off the evil creatures and held a short ceremony for Klask. R.I.P. They then carried on into the ley line. They found themselves in front of 
the yellow glowing symbol they had seen when they fought the Lizard King here in the Impossible Machine. Together they took the plunge, jumping into the ley line of abjuration. Each woke in a place that they did not expect. Keth awoke in a closet of a monastery high in the mountains. He spoke with Balance, the tiefling that trained Klug. He told Keth that he would be betrayed by the many pennies. Then Keth fought a strange beast, like a cat with six legs and two long tentacles. When he defeated it, he grabbed its crystal and then he disappeared. Gibetto found himself in the city of Varina and ran into an old acquaintance, a grifter by the name of Snake. Snake led Gibetto to a group called the Illusionary Scroll, who were planning a heist of the Vault of the Kingmaker. Snake took Gibetto to his safe house, where he had prepared to double-cross the Cardoza guards. Gibetto barely escaped and fought off his own displacer beast. Gillick found himself in a strange temple in Emberfall. A group of peacekeepers had been badly hurt, and they said their leader had been killed by an unknown peacekeeper. Gillick investigated and found his father, racked with guilt over his son's execution and infused with blood magic. Gillick and his father fought a displacer beast, and Gillick disappeared before he could speak with his dad. Asher found himself in the desert he had grown up in, a destroyed camp around him. He hid as a spider and found an old member of his tribe looking for a chalice for Gorm. He hitched a ride in them and confronted Gorm who revealed himself to be a blue dragon. Gorm locked Asher away and a displacer beast appeared to fight him. When he killed it, he too teleported away. Finally, Genevera found herself in her father's quarters. She was immediately attacked by a displacer beast. She killed it, but before she could grab the stone that was left behind, she was immediately interrupted by an unfamiliar voice. He called himself the Magic Man and offered to enter in a game where he would trade questions with truthful answers. The Magic Man made Genevera nervous, and he was asking questions that made her feel uncomfortable. She asked to end the game, and the Magic Man gave her a coin that she could use to call on him at any time to continue their questions. He asked his last question, Who is Mayrifa? And Genevera was forced to tell him. Filled with regret, she teleported away. The many pennies found themselves within the plane of abjuration. They were attacked again by displacer beasts and fought valiantly to push them back. Once their foes were destroyed, they prepared a ritual to gather the piece of abjuration and return to Mughamara. They were interrupted again by a beholder, a powerful creature of abjuration magic who bore down upon them. They finally defeated it and completed the ritual, returning to the Tower of Adventure Incorporated. When they arrived, their piece of pure abjuration had become a powerful shield. The many pennies regrouped and found that Elatrix had faked his death and gone into hiding for the magic man had been spying on him. The many pennies headed toward the ley line of divination, hoping the Forbidden Dawn would be able to use the magic they harness to fuel their ritual and free the hostages. To get there, the troop headed to Vedras, the city under the sand in the deserts of Ishtara. In Vedras, the many pennies looked for a way to make contact with the king, who was said to be the most powerful magic wielder in Vedras, if not beyond. Seeking audience with Her Majesty was proving difficult. Finally, they met Dobrik, a bard that worked for a noblewoman. 
Dobrik told them that with their help, he could ensure his patron would make Duke over her political rival, and they would get to meet King Harriman. They agreed to help and helped Dobrik sneak into the noble vault. They traveled into the ethereal realm, grabbed the ledger book that proved dirty dealings with the political rival, and escaped. In light of the evidence, Harriman named Dobrik's patron Duke, took Dobrik for her own bard, and led the many pennies to the surface where they found the ley line of divination. She offered to let them enter. In exchange, they would owe her a favor she could call upon at any time. They agreed and traveled through the gate. The realm of divination was strange. The many pennies found themselves being inundated with images of the past and present as they peered into divination. They fought displacer beasts and beholders again, but these creatures seemed to be able to know their moves before they could make them. Once defeated, they completed their ritual and returned to Mughamara, but something wasn't right. The Adventure Inc. Tower they returned to was destroyed and they were greeted by Marifa, asking what they were doing there. Marifa read their memories and revealed herself to be Hilarion Quisoth. Halley explained that the world they had found themselves in was not their new Merida. She explained that Gorm was an invader in the Many Pennies world, just as he had been an invader in this world before. They believe that Gorm has been traveling from world to world trying to wake his sleeping master. He, get, he got close in Hilarion's world, but her Elytrix forced the Celestials to break an oath of non-intervention, and the other dragons banded together to stop him. He fled, but with their pact lifted, the dragons took control. They killed Elytrix and a few other kings and replaced them with those loyal to the cause. In Carapath, that was Clyde Harper who took the throne. The Many Pennies went with Hilarion to retrieve an item to help rebind the pact, a dagger of the war god Mercus. The Many Pennies gathered the dagger after fighting an angel of Mercus. They traveled with Hilarion to the hideout of the resistance she was a part of. They met several other resistance members, including a very surly Evan. The resistance was reluctant to let them join at first, but the dagger was important to them. In exchange for helping find it, the group agreed to help the Many Pennies. They concocted a plan. The dragons held a pit fighting tournament each year, and the winner would get a wish from the ancient blue dragon that ruled over Bradmont. They would use their clout to get the Many Pennies an opportunity to earn a spot, competing for a kingdom. The Many Pennies would have to get to the tournament and do well enough to be sponsored by, to the finals by a noble. Then they would just have to win the whole thing. Gillick and Keth would be the fighting team. The others would have to figure out how best to help them. The many pennies arrived at King Clyde's court, dressed as a team. Gebetto hyped up Keth and Gillick, the bears, and Asher shifted into their mascot, a bear. But it was Genevera, who King Clyde had a soft spot for, that convinced him to give the bears a chance. He sent his slave team, Klug and Redbridge, against the Bears, who managed to beat them down and take their spots. At the tournament, Genevera was invited up to the King's Box with Clyde, and Haley got Gebetto and Asher into the noble area. It was here that Gebetto started talking up the Bears to get their reputation up around the nobles. Klug and Gillick won their rounds, and Asher was called away by Redbridge, Klug, and Evan, who had a new plan. They wanted to blow up the whole stadium when the fight concluded to kill the King of Bradmont. Asher helped them plant the charges while the fight continued. 
Due to intervention by Gebetto and Genevera, the Bears made the finals and it was all up to Gillick and Keth to finish it all off. Their final competition were the Bisu brothers, the assassins from Verena. During this fight, Gillick fell unconscious and had a meeting with this reality's Shadow Lord, who was very intrigued to meet him. Gillick and Keth prevailed, beating down the Bisus and winning the tournament. The many pennies received adulation and the stadium emptied, leaving them alone with Hallie and the King of Bradmont. Hallie said her goodbyes and the King of Bradmont answered what questions he could about Gorm and the dragons. He told them he would send them back to the divination ley line near their own world, but it would be difficult for him to maintain the portal. Everyone passed through the portal, and as Asher went to leave, he turned back and cast a spell at the dragon, driving him to the ground. Behind the dragon, Evan strummed an arcanical tune, igniting the bombs around the dragon. Asher just made it into the portal as the rift closed. The fate of the other world is unknown. As the many pennies finished their ritual to close their ley line of divination and return home, they were visited by a creature whose voice rang in their minds. The Illithid told them to stop closing the ley lines or he would destroy them. With that, the many pennies were back at Adventure Incorporated. As soon as they returned, Genevera and Asher had a falling out. Genevera was furious at him for putting the group at risk as only he knows the ritual to return them home. Asher felt like he needed to do something to help those people escape the tyranny of the dragons, and he had tried to bring it up, but no one had listened. Eventually, they came to terms, hugged it out, and the many pennies decided to take the piece of divination magic they had brought back from the ley line to the Forbidden Dawn to help use in their rituals. The night before they went to leave, Asher met with his friend Donal, who had taught them the old Sylvan ritual. Donald told Asher that he hadn't totally believed he was Sylvan at first, but he had proof and now he had to do what he had been born to do. It was his order of druid's purpose to kill the Sylvan were they to ever return, so he attacked Asher. Asher fought back, but it was not enough. Donald got the upper hand and ran Asher through. His weapon, without its host, teleported to the other weapons and the rest of the many pennies were aghast. Asher found himself in the world of necromancy, surrounded by the spirits of the dead. As soon as he awoke there, he found Slask, who showed him what this place was. A great line of spirits led to a creature called the Death Lord who would consume their souls. Those who resisted still felt his call, begging them to return and be consumed. Asher had Slask show him the resistance where he saw the spirit of Hilarion Quisoth. She had been tending to those who would fight for some time, but she admitted that it seemed to be a losing battle. Asher stayed and tried to better understand the place and how he could fight against the Death Lord. Meanwhile, the Many Pennies went with Spooky Todd, who is a member of a religious sect known as the Order of Death Watchers. They were tasked with protecting a machine called the Soul Forge, and Todd said it had been used before to contact spirits of the dead. To get there, they had to travel through the lands of the Black Dragons. When they arrived, they met a Black Dragon who had worked with Genevere's father to address the corruption in their blood. He was old, and the darkness had eaten away at him until he was half a skeleton. The dragon told Spooky Todd that he was the last of his order. The others had tried to strike against the dragons and had been destroyed. Todd wandered off sullenly as the Black Dragon led the Many Pennies to the Soul Forge. He destroyed the machine, 
revealing the ley line of necromancy underneath. The many pennies jumped in and were reunited with Asher and Slask, who had been exploring for a way to deal with the Death Lord. Soon they were beset by skeletal displacer beasts. The many pennies fought them off and reunited with Hallie. Hallie told the many pennies that she only knew of two other resistors and that they had lived out in the empty spaces. The many pennies sought them out and found Perkins and Chris Bisu, both spirits that had died by their hands. The spirits said they thought they knew a place where the many pennies could acquire more power, but for them to do so, they would have to agree to taking Perkins and Chris with them when they left. The many pennies agreed and were led to a cave that housed a djinn. The djinn told them he would give them a half piece of pure necromancy if they would give him a memory of their own. They chose to give him the time they entered the ethereal vaults with Dobrik. He accepted this memory and told them where they could find his brother and the other half of pure necromancy. When they found his brother, an Ifrit who offered a very similar deal, except for the memories of a person. They gave him the memories of Dobrik and everything that went with him, as well as Asher's memories of his own family. He accepted and gave them the other half piece of pure necromancy. With both pieces, the many pennies went on to face the Death Lord. An Illithid, like all the others they've seen before, the Death Lord told them that he consumes souls and converts them into magic, sending the energy to his siblings to fuel the other ley lines. He told them that he, he did not have the same qualms about shutting down the ley lines as his siblings did, but destroying the soul engine would hurt him. He would have a hard time collecting souls. The Death Lord consumed Perkins and Kreese Bisu at the Many Penny's request, and they were all interrupted by the Illithid siblings from the ley lines of abjuration and divination. The Death Lord fought them off while the Many Pennies faced their beholders. Once they had all defeated their foes, the Dark Lord consumed the spirits of his siblings, enhancing his power with their energy. In his fervor, he accidentally raised an undead beholder that the Many Pennies had to face. Once all of the fighting subsided, Genevera attempted to summon the magic man to trade him for Asher. When that didn't work, the Death Lord agreed to send Asher back to the land of the living with a few conditions. He must be willing to be a conduit for the souls above to find their way to the realm, carry two spirits with him as a link, and if he dies again, Keth will die as well so the Death Lord can consume his particularly tasty spirit. Asher asked Hallie and Slask if they would be his connection spirits, and they agreed. So the many pennies agreed to the deal, and the Death Lord released them. They returned to Mughamara, and Asher was once again alive. But Genevera was missing. She found herself with the magic man who let her ask her question. She asked who he was, but he changed the rules of the game and sent her away, promising she would get her answer soon. The many pennies made their way through war-torn Perinith until they reached the Forbidden Dawn. Price Harper agreed to let the captives go in exchange for using the pure divination as part of their ritual. They set up the ritual, Gebetto and his parents as a focal point, and started to channel the magic. The other many pennies fought off creatures corrupted by darkness while the members of the Forbidden Dawn focused. The ritual took a lot of energy out of Gebetto and his parents, and at one point Gebetto would have been dead if not for the phoenix potion he had coursing through his veins, which filled him with power. When the ritual was complete, he knew where the Kowadl was, 
but his parents were unconscious. Asher was able to just barely save his mother, but his father was gone for good. The many pennies followed Gebetto's vision to the edges of Barino, where they found a small hut. Inside the hut was Viltroth, who said he had been in hiding since the magics of abjuration had failed him. Elatrix had found him and brought him in, shielding him from the Shadow Lord with his fey magics. They spoke with Elatrix as well, filling him in on everything they were doing. When asked about the Kowadl, he seemed confused until Asher asked him point blank if he was the Kowadl. He asked Asher not to ask again, but Asher did, and Elatrix burst into his full Kowadl form and disappeared into the sky. The many pennies, unsure what to do next, returned to Adventure Incorporated. There, they were picked up by a man calling himself Abbot Ponwich, who wanted to take them to bring the light back to Gillick. They went to a temple of Salius and appeased the spirits there when it was revealed that they had been led here by the magic man. On the scroll was his name, which even he did not know. Genevera read the scroll and refused to tell him his name, so he left, but she showed her allies. His name was Siluria, first angel of Salius. The many pennies have three ley lines down, but Gorm is still out there working to wake the dragon god. The Shadow Lord looms behind them, the kingdoms are falling to war, and Adventure Incorporated is being strained to its breaking point. The story continues with episode 104 out next week. This has been the broad strokes of the story, but if you enjoy it, I urge you to go back and listen to the episodes. There are a lot of details missing from here, and they'll probably become relevant at some point. If you have any questions, comments, or other feedback, email us, message us on Facebook, or tweet at us. Head to our website, adventureinc.podbean.com for links, or check the show notes. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week.